Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, and beginning with verse number 12, I want you to hear the words of St. Paul this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 12, as I start a new sermon series this morning called Witchcraft in the Church. Witchcraft in the Church. You certainly don't want to miss the next few Sundays as we explore and engage the Scriptures, as we learn in this postmodern society the strategy of the enemy and our weapons that we can use against this enemy of ours. And let us go to the Scriptures as we engage the Scriptures this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, reading from the NIV. This is what it states. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Witchcraft in the... Recently, the Pew Research Data uh, Company did a survey a few years ago and they found out that America is becoming more spiritual and becoming less religious. More spiritual and less religious. In other words, people are drifting away from traditional religion and they're becoming fascinated with the paranormal. They're becoming fascinated with the supernatural. I have found that most people in our society, they don't want to be labeled as religious. They don't want to be labeled as a church goer. They want to be labeled as a spiritual person. Our culture, my friends, and even the church, is becoming more obsessed with the supernatural realm and becoming more obsessed with the paranormal activity in our culture. Have you ever noticed that our culture is fascinated with ghosts, witches, zombies, psychics, the New Age, Mother Earth, and mysticism? That is just to name a few. Our culture is indoctrinated with such things. A few years ago, people were on this kick to watch the zombies. I'm not even sure the name of the sitcom or the show, but people were fascinated with it. People are now fascinated with not only that, but just everything about the dark side. The Pew Research uh, Company also uh, did a survey, and this is what they found a few years ago. They found, number one, that 40% of Christians now in America, they believe in psychics. 29% of Christians believe in reincarnation. And 26% of Christians believe in astrology. Now, what do I mean astrology? Well, astrology means that uh, it, it, it's, it's the thought process of looking to the stars and the planets uh, for direction for your life. And we have 26% of Christians who believe in astrology. It's amazing to me, you flip through Facebook and self-proclaimed Christians are getting their horoscope read as if it's not a big deal. We have become desensitized to mysticism, 
to ghosts, witches, and zombies. It no longer affects us anymore. Have you ever thought about how many video games, TV shows, and movies that deal with the demonic or the supernatural realm? Now, I don't watch those movies in particular, but I did a little research. Recently, Hollywood is fascinated with the demonic realm. Recently, a few years ago, there was a movie, and I think there's pictures behind me on the screen. So there's a movie called Ouija, and it said, and you can see it behind me, Ouija, and it's, you see that picture of the little girl levitating off of her bed. That was a movie that Hollywood came out with, and the subtitle of the movie is called The Origin of Evil. Another movie that Hollywood came out with is The Conjuring, which is a subtitle called The Devil Made Me Do It. Another movie is called The Medium. People participating in the demonic or psychic realm is another movie that Hollywood made recently in the last five years. And Hollywood does a wonderful job mixing religion and uh, Uh, the demonic realm together. For instance, there was a movie called The Nun. The Nun. You'll see the picture behind me of a nun who is possessed of demons. Uh, There's another movie, which I don't have a picture for, called The Unholy. A movie several years ago, I think it came out in 2005, uh, 2009, somewhere around there, called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Um... That is a true story of a little girl in college who was raised in a devout Catholic home who went away to college and become possessed of multiple demons. The Catholic Church cast the demons out of her, but in the midst of the exorcism, she died. And they produced a real movie, a real movie based on life events of the exorcism of Emily Rose. There's also a movie called The Paranormal Activity Next to Kin. So those are just several movies that's come out, but not only movies, but there's TV shows. Um, There's a TV show called Ghost Hunters. Um, It's a very popular uh, uh, TV show. It's almost like a a sitcom. There's there's a show called Ghost Stories, Paranormal 911, Paranormal Caught on Camera. This is quite popular. It was popular years ago. It's still popular. But Long Island Medium is that young lady who is, uh, is famous on TLC for reading people's future and giving them predictions of their future. And 99.9% she's usually correct. These people cry and they buy into her. She is communicating to their dead mother or dead grandfather or dead wife, dead spouse. And these people are now become believers because we know according to the scriptures that you can A person can, through demonic activity, contact the dead. And here, there is demonic activity being uh, with this this show with TLC, and it's popular. Several years ago, there was a sitcom called Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Very popular for teenagers to watch. Video games. And, of course, our culture is infatuated with video games. And I don't play video games, and I don't even know anything about video games. When I was growing up, we, we played the Nintendo. We had Mario. 
You know, how many remembers that? Raise your hand. Boy, we've come a long way, haven't we? But now there's a video game called Five Nights at Freddy's. And here's a show. This is a video game about people, Freddy here, being possessed of demons. And children are trying to fight off the demons off of Freddy. This is what our culture is producing. And we as Christians have to be very careful. Now listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I am not here to debate with you whether you should celebrate Halloween. I am going to say this. I don't think you should be dressing your children up as demons and devils. But we'll go on from that. If you want to dress them up as Moses and St. Teresa, praise God. But let's, there is no reason to put a, a devil outfit on them and tell them about Jesus on Sunday. We have power over the devil. We don't, we don't participate with the devil's activities. So anyway, I'm not here to debate whether you should celebrate Halloween because quite frankly, I really don't care. I don't think there's anything wrong with eating candy. I love candy. I just don't think you should be dressing up as demons and devils. But I'm not here to debate that. I'm not here to debate uh, whether you should watch Harry Potter and, and, or whether you, watch, you should watch Scooby-Doo. When I was growing up in the old school church, we couldn't even watch Smurfs. I mean, we were real strict. I'm not here to debate all of that because you know why I'm not here to debate it? You are grown adults. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And as your pastor and a man of God, I'm going to give you principles and precepts from the Word of God, and it will lead you to make the right decisions in your family. But this is what I am challenging you. I am challenging you to be careful what you allow in your home. I am challenging you to be careful about what you allow in your heart. I am challenging you to be careful about what you grant access into your life. My friends, your eyes and your ears are a gate to your soul. They are a gate to your soul. And whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, has the ability to affect your spirit and affect your spiritual life. So listen to Pastor Josh. When you became a Christian, there is no such thing anymore as compartmentalization. It's not I go to church on Sunday and I do whatever I want to do on Monday and I do whatever I want to do on Tuesday. When you became a Christian, you gave up your rights, you became a slave to the master, and there is no more compartmentalization. Everything you do in life now is spiritual. Everything you do in life is ministry. The way I treat somebody at work, the way I treat my spouse, the way I respond to people, the way I respond to the waiter, the way I respond to the waitress, how I respond. Everything now is spiritual. And so what you look at, what you see, what you participate in has the ability to affect your spiritual man. And it's very important that we understand that. The Bible says that Jesus was very clear about this. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 22, Jesus said, and I quote, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye, eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, Jesus is saying that your eyes is 
is a gateway to your soul. And if you're looking at darkness and you're participating in darkness, it has the ability to cause your soul to become dark. It is very important that we understand that. I love this scripture. I said this to my discipleship mentorship class last night. And I want to read it to you because I think it's important in your spiritual growth and development. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5, listen to the words of St. Peter, and I quote, For this very reason, make every effort. I want you to say that word with me, make every effort, that sentence, on the count of three. One, two, three. Say it again. Say it real loud. Say it real loud. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. What do I need to add to my faith? Goodness and goodness to knowledge. And knowledge to what? Self-control. Self-control to perseverance. Now I'm going to stop there. What Peter is saying here, he is talking to Christians. And he is saying... That your faith, you need to add qualities to your faith. And one of the very first qualities that he listed in verse number five is the, I want you to add godliness. I want you to add goodness to your faith. I want you to add self-control to your faith. Now I want you to look at verse number 10 of the same chapter. And this is what he says again. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. Make every effort. My friends, do you hear the urgency of St. Peter? St. Peter told us twice that we are to make every effort, make every effort to add qualities to your faith. And one of the qualities is goodness, godliness, self-control, knowledge, perseverance. So what is my point this morning? Your eye is a gate to your soul. Whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, has the ability to affect your spiritual man. But not only does it have the ability to affect your spiritual man, the apostle, the apostle is telling us very clearly that if you are serving Jesus, you need to make every effort to add qualities to your life. And one of those qualities that I love is goodness. Is this good? The medium, the nun, ghost hunters, Long Island medium, five nights at Freddy's. Is this goodness? Is this godliness? What are you adding to your faith? What are you adding? Are, what are you adding to your faith? Are you adding gossip? Are you adding greed? Are you adding selfishness? Are you adding pornography? Add to your faith these qualities. And do you know what he said in verse number 10? Look at it. He said that if you will add these qualities, he said make every effort to add to it. Then he closes the chapter out in verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, that doesn't mean you won't mess up, but in the Greek... It conveys the idea that you won't backslide. That your salvation will be secure. In other words, if you make every effort to add to your faith goodness, godliness, perseverance, and self-control, he says you won't backslide, you won't fall away, 
you will remain strong in the end. And I want you to listen to Pastor Josh this morning. I'm convinced that a lot of reasons why people attend church and get excited for God and come to the altar and have an experience with God, but yet three years later, they're out in the world and posting stuff on Facebook that they're in the world and having a great time. They're back in the world to their back old habits, living in their old habits. My heart breaks for them. Thank God there's restoration, and thank God there's always hope as long as you're breathing. But one of the reasons I believe that people go back to that lifestyle is because they're not careful what they watch. They're not careful what they listen to. They're not adding to their faith goodness. They're not adding to their faith godliness. You've got to make sure you add these qualities to your faith. I have never seen anybody who is faithful to church, reading their Bible, witnessing, having a prayer life. I've never met anyone who's ever stumbled and fell out of the kingdom of God and fell out of the church if they are faithful to Christ. What are you watching, my friends? What are you watching? What are you looking at? You see, I'm starting a sermon series on witchcraft in the church. In other words, what are the strategies that the devil will use to control and deceive people? The word witchcraft conveys a lot of meaning. It has a lot of stuff to it. But this morning, I don't think I would be a good leader and a good pastor if I didn't lay a foundation first. I don't think it would be wisdom for me to jump right into witchcraft if I first don't lay a foundation and tell you that there is a devil and he does exist. If I don't first tell you that the supernatural realm does exist. The unseen world really does exist. Just because you do not see it, just because you've never seen something happen or demon possession or something like that, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And let me further push the envelope and say this. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. Just because you're confused by it, or maybe you've had a bad church experience, and maybe you don't understand it, that doesn't mean that the scriptures or the subject isn't true. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. As we progress in this sermon series, I'm going to make sure that when you get done, you'll know what witchcraft is and how it can operate in the church, and how it can operate in our society, and what you and I can do to be on guard against the witchcraft in the church and in our society. But before I do that, I want to make sure I lay a foundation and tell you that the devil does exist. He is real. His kingdom is real. The supernatural world does exist. Because witchcraft is a weapon that the enemy uses to deceive and control people. So this morning, I've learned in years of preaching, <clears throat> I've learned in years of preaching not to give too much at once, and I've been guilty of doing that. So I've made a decision, I'm only going to give you one point today. Is that all right? So I'm going to give you one point, and point number one is this. Point number one, the devil is real, and the devil is personal. Can you say that with me as loud as you can say it? The devil is Say it again. The devil is, Pastor Brandon, can you please give me the water on the front? The devil is real and the devil is 
personal. Say it again. I want you to say it as loud as you can say it. The devil is real and the devil is personal. One, two, three. If we're going to understand the subject of witchcraft, we got to lay the foundation and know that the devil does exist and he is personal. John Calvin, in his Institutes, said this, and I quote, We have been forewarned that an enemy, an, an enemy is threatening us, an enemy who is the very embodiment of rash boldness, of military powerlessness, of crafty wiles, of untiring zeal and haste, of every conceivable weapon and of skill in science of warfare. We must then bend our every effort to this goal, that we should not let ourselves be overwhelmed by carelessness or faint-heartedness, but on the contrary, with courage, rekindle, stand our ground in combat. John Calvin, an early church father, simply told us that we cannot be careless about this. We cannot frown at this. We have a devil who is relentlessly threatening us. We have a devil who is after us. He is bold. He has, uh, he has rash boldness. And he is very skilled at his weaponry. And so it would behoove all of us to understand his weaponry, what he does, his method of operation. Now, the word devil comes from a Greek word which means diablos. Now, I know that's not important to you, but this is what it means. It means accuser or slanderer. The devil at his very core is accuser. The devil at his very core is a slanderer. He slanders people. He accuses people. And the very first example of the devil in the Scripture is the book of Job. Because the book of Job was the first book written, even though the book of Genesis is the first book in the chronological order. But, but, or in the, in, the, in the canon. And, but the book of Job was the first book written, and Satan comes before the throne of God, and what does he do? He accuses Job. He slanders Job. Because at the very essence, that's what the devil is. He accuses you. He slanders you. And I want to make sure you understand this, that the devil is real. He is not a figment of your imagination. He's not a fictional cartoon. He's not somebody who wears a red cape and a pitchfork. The devil is a person. He is created. He does exist, and he does have a kingdom. In fact, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, acknowledged the existence of the enemy. He acknowledged the existence of Satan. I'm going to read a few scriptures to you, and I want you to see Jesus addressing the devil, but I also want you to see the names that Jesus had called the devil, all right? I want you to pay attention to the names that Jesus refers to the devil as. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. So Jesus referred to the devil, the accuser, the slanderer, as Satan. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, 
6 and verse number 13, Jesus said this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So number one, Jesus calls him Satan. Jesus calls him the evil one. The Bible says in Matthew 13 verse 39, Jesus refers to Satan as the enemy. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angel. So Jesus refers to the devil as the devil, and he refers to him as the angel, uh, excuse me, the enemy. So you have Satan, you have the evil one, and you also have the enemy. The Bible says in John 14, verse 30, Jesus refers to Satan as, and I quote, the prince of this world. And I quote, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming, for he has no hold over me. When I read that scripture, I wanted to shout. You know why I wanted to shout? Because I too can testify the devil has no hold over me. Boy, is there anybody in this church that can wave your hand and say, Pastor, the devil has no hold over me, over my family, over my children. He has no hold over me. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. Now look at what Jesus said here. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus calls the devil, number one, Satan. Calls the devil the evil one. Calls the devil the enemy. Calls the devil the prince of this world. Calls the devil a liar, a father of lies, calls the devil a murderer from the beginning. Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 26, Jesus quoted this, and I quote, if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? In other words, Jesus is saying that this person has a kingdom and this kingdom really does exist. Satan has a kingdom, and his kingdom really does exist because Jesus referred to his kingdom. Now, my friends, listen to Pastor Josh this morning. I believe that it's very, very easy for us in our society to overemphasize the demonic. We have a tendency to overemphasize the supernatural and the paranormal activities. Believe me, I've seen it. I've met people who think that there's a devil behind every bush. They think everybody's possessed. They think if you're sick, you got a devil. Let me remind you, there is one devil and seven billion people. There's one devil. He is not all-powerful. He is not all-knowing. The devil is a created being. Please don't give him that much credit. I wish somebody helped. Pastor, say amen this morning. The devil is not all-knowing. He doesn't know your thoughts. He doesn't know everything. 
And most of the time, you tell on yourself. Some of us talk way too much. And the devil finds out a whole lot about your life because we just cannot keep our mouth. I've made up my mind. If you've got to pull me across the finish line, I'm going to make it in the end. You see, the devil has a kingdom. I don't want to overemphasize it, but I don't want to underemphasize it either. Because we can become so callous and careless that we don't think there's anything supernatural and we don't think the enemy does exist. The enemy really wants you to believe he doesn't exist. The enemy really wants you to believe that he doesn't exist. That's one of the greatest tactics, one of the greatest schemes is to convince people that he doesn't exist. And as a pastor, you know I don't preach on this a lot, but i got to tell you that the supernatural world does exist. The devil is real, but the cross is greater. The cross is greater. The cross of greater. I don't want to get up here and just preach all about the devil. I just want you to know he exists, but I also want you to know he's a defeated foe, and Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from him, and there is no reason why you need to live under the control of the enemy. You have been set free 2,000 years ago. You're, you're running from a place of victory because of what he has done on the cross. But I still want you to know what the Scripture states about him. The Bible also says in 2 Chronicles, excuse me, Corinthians 4 verse 4, that he is the God of this present world. He's the God of this world. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's why when you become a Christian, that's why we sing the song Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. I was blind, but now I see. You know what the enemy is doing? The enemy is blinding people's hearts to the gospel. But once you become saved and born again, do you know what happens? The blinders come off. And that is why we sing amazing grace. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see the God of this world has no control over me anymore. I have been set free. Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 2, the Bible says that Paul said that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14, one of the very important scriptures I want you to see this morning, Paul says that the devil himself will masquerade as an angel of light. The devil himself is not going to come with a pitchfork and a red cape. He's going to come to you with false religion. He's going to come to you with false doctrine and false heresy. It's really disheartening to me that most people will leave church because of a preference and yet sit through a church service when false doctrine is being preached. Do you know why we do that? Because most of us don't know what we believe, but we're more in tune to our feelings than we are to the Word of God. And I'm telling you, if you're going to make it in the last days, you've got to be more in tune to the Word of God than you are your feelings. 
Everybody can get upset over something. You can get offended over something. And most people leave churches because they're mad and upset and offended at something about their feelings. But I hardly ever hear anybody leaving a church because somebody was preaching false doctrine. And we do know that exists. But that's what the devil does. He comes to us and he masquerades as an angel of light to deceive us. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that he is our adversary. The enemy roams around like a lion waiting for whom he to devour. Listen, my friends, I want to remind you that we have come a long way from leave it to beaver. And I love Lucy. Fathers knows best. And gun smoke. That is not the world that we live in now. How many can just raise your hand and say, I love Lucy and gun smoke. But that is not the world that we live in now. But what I want you to see is this is Main Street America now. This is right in our backyard. This is what we're dealing with as parents and grandparents. And this is not a time for us just to be careless about the supernatural world and our spiritual growth. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, as I close, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes, his schemes, his tricks. In other words, you can't be ignorant. The devil wants you to be ignorant, thinking that he doesn't exist, that his power isn't real, that this isn't happening in America. But the Bible clearly tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that Satan is real and that we should not be ignorant of it or unaware of his schemes, his devices, and his tricks. The scripture, our text, is found in Ephesians 6.11. I'm going to say it again. It says, put on the whole armor of God and take a stand against the devil's schemes. Do you see that? Take a stand against the devil's strategies. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. Do you know why we have praise and worship, number one, in church? Number one, it's to glorify God. But do you realize that it's doing something in the heavenlies? There is forces of darkness against the forces of light. And when you begin to praise God, you are worshiping and glorifying God. But at the same time, you are disrupting the kingdom of Satan every time you worship God. You are disrupting the Satan's kingdom. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert, be sober-minded. Your enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Listen, we live in a society that is pushing their agenda. Philosophy will tell you to think your way out. Science will tell you to invent your way out. Politicians will tell you to spin your way out. The government will tell you to socialize your way out. The liquor crowd will tell you to drink your way out. The youth of today will tell you to drug your way out. Money will say, say buy your way out. Religion will say, legalize your way out. Satan says, there is no way out. And Jesus says, I am the way out. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man can come unto the Father unless he comes through me. 
I'm telling you the church of Jesus Christ has lasted 2,000 years and we're going to continue to last because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We are a strong church, a vibrant church empowered by the Holy Spirit on high. We are living in one of the greatest moments of history, my friends. Amen. Next week, we're going to explore, number one, we looked at the devil is real and personal. Number two, we'll look at the devil is fallen. We'll look at number three, the devil is limited. Amen. And, and then we're going to look at number four, we're going to look at his methods, which is witchcraft, and how that can operate in your life and how you can stand against. Could you stand to your feet and give God praise today? And give God glory for the Word of God. Give God praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stretch across the